Welcome to another episode of Mastering Love and Life with Clifton Brantley, of course. <laughs> yep, we back for another episode. What I want to talk to you guys today, uh, I previously said that August, uh, I'm using August as... Uh, I don't really have a, a like a official name for it, but this month I'm going to be talking to the men. It's for men, about men, and to men. Now, sometimes I'll speak to the women, but it, in those cases it's going to be for and about men. But today I'm talking to the men. And, uh, you know, one of the things about the way that I help people and the, the one of the things about the, yeah, just the kind of coach slash therapist I am. I, I, um, I use transparency to help people. Right. And so I'm, I'm pretty transparent about my life and, uh, sometimes what I'm struggling with, but definitely what I have overcome so that I can help somebody else. Right. And so today I am going to be sharing some things, man. I just want to, I really just want to help somebody. Okay. So this morning I had to go to the post office for my wife. So go to, go to the post office. And after that, on my way home, I saw this little neighborhood. And one thing me and my wife like to do, we like to go, you know, look at different houses and stuff. We don't have our dream home yet. Right. So, I decided to just stop in and just kind of drive through the neighborhood just to see what the houses look like. But I was not expecting to happen what happened when I got in the neighborhood. And it was a small neighborhood. I just only made two turns. Well, like a couple of turns. It went like a U. But while I was in there, uh, I began to think about where my life is versus where I would like for it to be. And one of the things that I've been working on lately is grieving, understanding grief, uh, knowing how to grieve, right? And so I've had to admit to myself maybe a few weeks ago that uh, I am in a grieving process. I'm grieving the life that I don't have. And I don't have the life that I want or, or believe I could have had 100% because of my own choices. So I'm not mad at God. I'm not mad at anybody actually, but I'm not mad at God because I don't have what, you know, I feel like I should have. Um, but grief is a normal part of life. And so I get up, I get, I get sad when I think about where I am Versus where I could be because, um, like, I am where I am because of God's grace, really. Because the way I've lived my life, it should look worse than it looks. Like, it, it really does. It, it really should look worse than it does. But the fact that it doesn't look like it could because I haven't made wise choices, um, it was really painful. And so, yes, I did cry. I was in the car by myself. You know, I cried and I didn't stop myself from crying because I, I, like I say, I finally recognized, hey, 
this is a real thing for you and I'm grieving, right? I'm not beating myself up. I don't get, I didn't get angry with myself today. I didn't talk bad about myself. I was just sad. And my sadness, my grief about the past has, it does not affect, it is, it's not affecting my hope for the future. It's not affecting, like I said, um, you know, when I was in the car, because I talked to myself, that's how I talked to myself through, through things, right? I talked myself through things. And so I was talking and I said, you know, this is not going to make me have a bad day. This is not going to make me want to go get back in the bed. But neither am I going to stop myself from feeling how I'm feeling. I'm going to embrace it. I'm grieving. And it's just a normal thing. So it doesn't mean that I got to cancel the whole day. I'm not in the sunken place. I'm not angry. I'm just sad. Sad is a response to feeling like you've lost something. And that's where I am. But it made me think about, uh, so as I'm driving, I'm thinking, and I'm fine. You know, I didn't cry all the way home. But once I, once I got home, I pulled up in the driveway and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to make this a podcast episode because it can't be. It just wouldn't make sense for it to be true that I am the only man on the planet that is either going through this, has gone through this, or about to go through it. And so this message is for people who can relate to what I'm going to share. This, this, this may not be for every man, to be honest. It's not. So, so this is the message today, the, the episode today, this is who this is for. This is for men who have been doing life without the positive influence of a father. Like if you grew up and you didn't have a dad giving you wise counsel, wise guidance, or if your dad died early, right? Uh, or like you just feel like, I don't know how to do this or that. Like, I don't know anything about life. How do I invest? And how do I, you know, what decisions do I make in my marriage? Or what does it even mean to be a husband? I know I want to be married and I love my wife, but how do I even do that? Everything in my life that I can think of, I can't think of anything that, um, everything I've had to learn on my own. When I say learn on my own, like I did go to school, so, teachers were or professors were teaching me right but but i'm saying the choices that i've made i've primarily had to make life choices with my own wisdom my own wisdom my own like i haven't had a, a father or mentor saying hey i don't know if that's a wise decision maybe you should do this or that or whatever i haven't had that so um I want to share with you guys today how to avoid some of that, right? And what I'm talking, so so I titled this prerequisites. That's a hard word for me to say. I didn't realize that till right now. Pre, I think pre is hard. Why is pre, premarital, pre, what else starts with pre? Premarital, um, pre-register. I thought it was the pre with the R after, but I said pre-register. Anyway, pre-requisites, it's, it's the word requisites. That's the problem. Requisites, that R-E and then that Q right after it throws off my, I'm sure if I could practice it, I could, anyway, back to, sorry. What are the prerequisites of a husband? 
What's required? What's pre-required before you become a husband? That's, that's what I want to talk about. And I really only have four. Now, let me just tell you, what I'm sharing with you today is not science, is not research. It is my personal and professional opinion about being a husband. It's what I believe. Um, it's what I've learned. And I, it's again, it's not for everybody, but it's for somebody who don't know how to be a husband and want to know how can I be successful as a husband? I'm gonna give you these prerequisites, but also they're prerequisites. You may say, you may say, well, I'm already a husband. If you're already a husband, then I encourage you to embrace these four things and um, become a better husband. So I've previously said, you know, that the 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 number one attribute of a person that's married, meaning the husband or wife, the number one attribute is personal development. And I believe that to be true. Like that's, I stand by that. If you are not committed to personal development, nothing else matters. You are not, you're not even fit to be in a relationship with yourself. So you got to fix that. So you definitely are not ready to commit your life to somebody else. You have to be committed to personal development. It's, I believe that is um, something you cannot go without. You can't go without personal development. And specifically, let me tell you that. So there are two things specifically under the umbrella of personal development for men slash husbands that I like you personal development. You want to be the best you in all areas, but these two areas, I believe sabotage more men than anything else that I could think of. So under the personal development, you want to make sure before you get married. And again, if you listen to me and you're already married, then you want to start working on these things immediately. But number one, you want to work on your identity issues. If you're committed to personal development, you got to work on your identity issues. How do you know if you have identity issues? It's so many, there's so many signs that you have identity issues, but to run through a few, um, if you get angry easily, if you get when you do get angry, whether it's easy or not, if your anger is over the top, if you can never be corrected, like if your wife can't say or if somebody can't say, hey, I don't like this or you're wrong, if they can't say that without you feeling not good enough, you got identity issues. If you don't know who you are, if you are, if, if, if you are, this is a big one, if you are constantly looking on the outside of you to validate who you are on the inside of you, you got identity issues. For example, if you don't have self-esteem, but instead you have other esteem, which means um, your esteem is based on what you have and what you do as opposed to who you are. So, so your esteem is, is tied up in your money or it's tied up in your education, or the woman that's on your arm, or the car you drive, or how smart you think you are, 
how well your children perform, right? The neighborhood you live in, all your money, all of that are things on the outside of you that you really don't have control over, to be honest. You control is a fallacy. We think we control things on this planet, but there's very, 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 very little outside of your own body that you can control. But identity issues, when you got identity issues, it'll ruin your life, right? And so instead of having self-esteem, you have other esteem. Self-esteem comes from the inside and flows outwardly. See, when you have appropriate self-esteem, you know that I am because I am. Now, that's interesting. God told Moses, I am that I am. But when you have healthy self-esteem, you know I am because I am. Not I am because I got or I am because I do. I am because I am. I'm, I'm Clifton because I'm Clifton. It's who God made me. I'm not Clifton because I look good. And I do. I'm not Clifton because um, I know how to help people through their marriage stuff. And I do. I'm not Clifton because I have a beautiful wife. And Lord knows I do. But I'm Clifton because that's who God made me. And you may say, well, yeah, all of us know that. You You think you know it. But do you know it at your core? Because... When you know it at your core, then things on the outside of you, when people attack your identity or or I say people, but even when life, because things can happen in life and make you question, well, who am I? When those things are attacked and you're left on the ground, then it may be an indication that you got identity issues. So if you're committed to personal development, that's one of the first things you got to address. And so I, I framed it as identity issues, but ultimately it's just it's childhood issues. If you're a people pleaser, that's an identity issue. If you can never, if you can't cry, that is an identity issue. Did you know that? Because human beings cry, period. There's not a man that I know. Now, I don't know every man, but there's not a man that I know that when they are hurt, they cry, like physically hurt. Like we tell boys, you know, men don't cry. We raise them that way as if crying is going to make them weak or as if crying is going to make them like, why, why don't we like boys crying? I understand that it's not fixing anything, but it's not. It was crying has never been for the purpose of fixing anything. Crying is for the purpose of expressing. I need somebody to come close to me or it is just a release, a release of pressure. You ever had a really big cry and then you feel better afterwards? Now you can get back to like the crying didn't solve anything. It's not a it's not a problem solver. It's a valve release and it means come close to me. It's exactly what it means. And then the other thing, when you're talking about personal develop, development specifically for men, you want to deal with your sexual sins, like. You want to deal with your porn addiction, your sex addiction, your, your promiscuity. You want to deal with all of that. I'm telling you, listen, anything I tell you today, I'm, I promise you, I'm telling you from experience. As a matter of fact, let me back up before I get too far. Um, so I want to tell you this, this kind of this story that in, 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 I believe in the gospel of Luke, 
it's the mindset that I have, right? The the mindset of the of Lazarus the rich man. Now the story is not relevant to what I'm saying, but the mindset is. So the story is this. Uh, there was a rich man named Lazarus, not Lazarus who Jesus raised from the dead, another Lazarus. So it's a rich man named Lazarus. And there's, no, I'm sorry. There was a poor man named Lazarus. I don't know which one was poor. I think Lazarus was the poor man. And then there was a rich man. So Lazarus, the poor man, and there was a rich man. The the Can we do it this way? Rich man, poor man, because I don't feel like look, looking it up. But <laughs> basically, they died on the same night. So the poor man used to stand out, used to sit outside the rich man's house begging and waiting for, as in, it's a parable, Jesus is telling. And so he was waiting for things to fall from the rich man's table or whatever. Anyway, the rich man would never give him anything. He was stingy. So anyway, they died the same night. Rich man, Poor man goes to the bosom of Abraham. Rich man goes to hell. So the rich man says, um, hey, can you send a, uh, Lazarus or the poor man? I think it was Lazarus. Yeah. Can you send Lazarus to dip his finger in some water? Just tip it on, put it on the tip of my tongue. It's hot down here. And the Lord says, no, can't do that. And then this is the mindset that I'm talking about. The rich man says, well, can you send him to my father's house? Because I have five brothers and they are worse than me. And I don't want them to keep going the way they're going and end up in this place. That is the mindset of what I'm sharing with you. Not about rich and poor, not about heaven or hell. Well, it is kind of about hell. Right. So I've found myself in the place where I am still under God's grace. Right. I'm not complaining about that. But I want to help you avoid some of the major pitfalls that I've encountered because of my own doing, my own choices. It wasn't even Satan. It was me. He may have had his influence, but I gave in. I gave him access to my mind to trick me into whatever. So anyway. That's the that's the backdrop for what what I'm sharing. So anyway, back to these sexual sins. You want to deal with your porn addiction before you get married. And if you're already married, you want to deal with that immediately. I was sharing with my barber on yesterday. Uh, all addictions, crack addiction, alcohol addiction, porn, work, whatever the addiction, all addictions are an attempt to replace human connection. What do I mean by that? See, the way God designed us, when we hurt, we are supposed to go to another human being for comfort. But if in your childhood, you did not learn that human beings are supposed to be comfort, when life starts to hurt you, you may turn to a substance or an object for comfort. And that then opens the door for addiction because it does feel good. So I'm comforted, but it doesn't last because it's not human connection. It's not the way God designed us to be comforted. So it doesn't last. So then what I have to do is go back and get it again because I need to feel good again because my life hasn't changed because the problem that I have that is supposed to be solved by another human being I'm not using a human being. So what I'm using is inadequate and it'll never work. But I keep doing it because it's all I know how to do, because what I've learned is people hurt you. So if you are addicted to porn, understand it's not just because you like sex. Porn addiction is not about sex at all. 
Sex addiction is not about sex, just like alcohol addiction is not about alcohol. It's about the problems you're trying to escape. Now, with porn addiction, you may think, well, I'm not trying to escape anything. You are. Okay, and I'm not going to go deep into that to that, but I want to. When you read the Bible. It is not an accident that it talks about sexual sins as much as it does. Why? Because sex is God's idea. He designed it for marriage. The way the enemy has perverted it, like there is a real, I believe, demonic force that is engulfed in and surrounding the world of pornography. And when you watch that stuff, I believe it opens a door for the enemy to harass you. And it's going to destroy your relationships. You got to deal with your sexual sins. Okay. So that's the first thing of the four personal development. And under that identity issues and sexual sins deal with those. The next thing that you need as a husband, if you're going to be an effective husband, if you're going to be a, a, yeah, I'm going to just say an effective husband. That's a catch all. You got to have self-discipline. You got to have self-discipline. So a lack of self-discipline has probably been my biggest thorn. The, the biggest. I, uh, when, when did I first hear? I don't know when I ever, I don't know when I first heard the phrase self-discipline, but I know for sure I never heard it before the age of 30. Well, I guess I can't be sure. I know I never heard it in childhood. And uh, the concept of it, I know I never, if I did hear it, I didn't understood it. I didn't understand it before 30. That I know. But I really didn't start to understand self-discipline until after 40. Until I started doing major therapy work, which was after 40. And um, without discipline, and I know the Bible talks about it. I didn't look up those scriptures where it talks about self-discipline and the, the negative effects of not having it. But without self-discipline, man, you if you're not disciplined as a husband, how can you be a leader? And that's the thing about being a husband. God says you're the head. How are you going to be the head with no self-discipline? And here's the thing. If you're not committed to personal development, you're not going to have self-discipline because when you got identity issues, how can you have self-discipline when you don't know who yourself is? But beyond that, what's going to run right up against your self-discipline is your need for the approval of others. That's going to water down your ability to be self-disciplined. The delay, the delay in self-gratification, right? You need that as a man and as a husband. Because when life comes at you, if you're not self-disciplined, the Bible says a farmer can't go outside and look at the weather and then determine whether or not he's going to plant seed. Like you, you can't be shaky like that. And in the same way, as a husband, you can't just be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You got to have your feet planted. Why? Because there are people following you 
If you got a wife, she's trying to follow you. If you have children, they're trying to follow you. Follow your example, follow your, follow your attitude, follow your commitment to God. You got to have self-discipline. Like, you got you to be disciplined. And I know throughout my life, see, I, I've been in church all my life. And I've always been, quote, unquote, a good person by man's standard. Like, the people who know me, looking on the outside, I've always looked like I had it together. I've always looked like I was smart. I've always looked like, you know, I'm the person that you want on your team in certain situations, right? But in my private life, I know self-discipline was lacking. Like I said, I didn't even know anything about that before the age of 40. But when I look back over my life, I can see, man, self-discipline would have been good right there. And ooh, it would have fit right here into this puzzle piece and would have changed my life. But I didn't have it. I, and, I, and so what I'm about to say right now is not an excuse. I'm talking about reality. It's not, I'm not using this as an excuse. But my dad didn't teach me anything about life. Didn't teach me anything about doing life here on this planet. Okay. So everything I learned, I learned on my own. And um, if you did not have somebody teaching you self-discipline as a child, you are going to suffer as a man because I've now I've been knowing about self-discipline at least the last 10 years and probably going hard at it, what I would call going hard at it, uh, trying to address it for the last six or seven, but it's still a struggle. And what I've determined from that is at least what I believe I could be wrong. Cause again, this is not research, but I just wonder if, I had learned this concept when I was a child. Would it be easier now to walk in it? Because if you learn it wrong, you live it wrong. But if you learn it right, you're going to live it right. You feel me? So I don't know, but but I, I do want to tell you that self-discipline needs to be, that needs to be at the top of your list um, as a man. You need self-discipline. You need to be able to say no. Like temptation is not going to stop coming. Temptation is not going to stop knocking on your door. You got to be disciplined enough to say that looks good, but I can't have that. And I'm not, I'm not going to even entertain it. You got to be disciplined enough to say, you know what? I'm going to eat right. You got to be disciplined enough to say, you know what? I'm going to work out at least 10 minutes today, at least 10 minutes, three times a week. Why? Because I need to take care of my body. You need discipline for all of that. The reason that you can't do what you know you should be doing, part of that, this ain't the only reason, but part of it is self-discipline. So as a man, as a husband, you want to be disciplined. Here's the third thing. Now, this one, out oh man, I just, I just, I did not know. And this one probably is the one that hurts me the most. Like when I think about it, when I say hurts me, uh, makes me the saddest, if I'm honest. Um, I, and some of you men, you may, you may, like this may not be your issue, but if you're going to be a husband, you need to address this. As a husband, you need to be, how, uh, I don't even have a, I'm going to just say it this way. You need to be, oh, I can say it this way. You need to be financially educated. I was going to say you need to be financially sound, but 
it, uh, it, what I'm, what I'm trying to communicate is better expressed. If I say you need to be financially educated, you cannot be financially ignorant. We live in a capital society. Fellas, you need to understand capital. Listen, I did not say you need to make a lot of money. I did not say you need a good job. Good job is good. Running your own business, all that's good. You need to understand how money works. You need to understand investments. You need to understand um, the stock market. You need to understand how to run a business. You need to understand how to get customers, how to sell, right? Please hear me. You need to understand these things. Here's what I did. And again, I can't blame not one soul. Like I say, my dad didn't teach me anything. I was a kid. I'm 51 today. So what I don't know, I can't blame it on him. And I wouldn't. But uh, when it comes to financial responsibility, you need to be at the higher level. Or let me say this. If you're not, like if you come to marriage, either, either you are married. Well, I guess this is really if you're getting ready to get married and you haven't chosen a wife yet, if you're not financially savvy, financially wise, then you need to marry somebody who is. But what I strongly urge and encourage you to do is to learn it for yourself. Why? Because you're the leader, not because you got to make the most money, but because you got to know, again, I said this was my opinion, but you got to know, how to keep the family afloat when, before y'all get to y'all millions. Like you may have millions in mind, but if you get married before you got the millions, you got to know how to get there. Here's the mistake I made. And this is hard for me to admit, but it is true. As I look at my life in hindsight, I realize I mortgaged my future for love. I mortgaged my future for love. What does that mean? That means all throughout my development, in my younger years, in my 20s, and in my 30s, even in my 40s, well into my 40s, I did not understand the importance of learning about finances and and how to run a business, even though I've been... I've been a business owner since 92, 1992. And yet, you know, but but when I say I, I mortgaged my future for, for love, I spent the majority of my time, all of my time, with love at the forefront of my mind. Here's the problem. I didn't know I had childhood issues. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about childhood issues, right? So my focus on love could have never worked out for me because what I thought was love was never love in the first place. And so what I realize now is all of my life, I've allowed the hole in my soul to guide me in search of connection. And watch this. Connection is paramount. Without connection, we humans die. Connection is at the top of the list of the things we need, but it ain't the only thing. And what I mistakenly did 
was made the only thing. I didn't know that my mindset was, if I have love, nothing else matters. That is foolish. That is foolish, right? And um, I, that's, I fell for that. And I, I've lived my whole life searching for love. And really, in hindsight, I recognize I was searching for me. I've, I've spent the majority of my life trying to get somebody to love me because it wasn't there in childhood. Now, if my, if my mama hear this, uh, mama, I'm not saying you didn't love me, right? You, we got different realities of my childhood, and that's fine. You're going to disagree. I'm okay with that. That's cool. But I spent my life looking to be accepted. Y'all not even praying with me because some of you listening to me, have done or is doing the same thing. Stop. I'm telling you, stop. My son, he is walking in my footsteps, and I see it clear as day, and I keep trying to tell him, son, you're going the wrong way, but he won't hear me. Because what I modeled for him is exactly what he's doing. I hear folk talk about, man, you know, I don't have, there's this one brother I know on Facebook, Always some. I don't have any regrets. Listen, that ain't me. That ain't my story. I understand that everything that's happened in my life made me the man that I am. Right. But I still got regrets. I regret that my ignorance has hurt my children the way that it has. See, my regrets are mostly tied to my children and what I didn't know. I regret what I've modeled for them. Because all, they're grown now, right? And now that I'm learning better, it's difficult to get them the message of better because they learned it wrong. And so now they're living it wrong. That's a big regret for me. But yeah, I spent the majority of my life looking for love and trying to be accepted. And at times it looked like all I wanted was sex. So, you know, in my 20s, like I'm just, you know, promiscuous because I'm immature. And I didn't... See, when I was I was molested in my younger, younger years, some, somewhere between the age of five and seven. But when that happened, I fused together in my little immature mind love and sex. So they were one and the same. But now that wasn't a conscious decision, and I didn't know that. So I didn't know. I know it now in hindsight. But at the time when it was happening in my 20s and early 30s, I did not know that I was having sex with so many people. Um, let me hold on. I'm sorry. Let me change that. <laughs> I was having sex with so many women. I am 1000% heterosexual, trust and believe. But I was having sex with so many women. I didn't know that I was doing that because I was trying to feel loved. I, because love wasn't even at the forefront of my mind. I was just, at one point, I was addicted to sex and, and, and porn, right? It was about pleasure. But I didn't know it was because I was running from human connection because I didn't know how to create that. It wasn't there in childhood. How in the world am I going to create that as an adult? But at the same time, I didn't know that was the dynamic that was going on. I'm just living the life of a promiscuous Christian, which should be an oxymoron on this planet, but it's not, unfortunately. But my point is, I didn't take the time to figure out, hey, how to survive financially, 
how to, uh, you know, uh, what, what, uh, how do you invest? It's one of my biggest, it's one of my biggest, um, it's the biggest area that I get sad about, that I'm just now learning um, how, to, how to run a business, how to do lead generation, right? How to create a funnel. And I understand that funnels weren't the thing back then. Funnels is the new name for it, but how marketing works, it's always worked that way. Falling into the lie of sales is bad. And I don't want to sell. And that's because you've had bad experiences with, with salesmen and car dealerships. But the reality is everybody sells. When you go on an interview, you're talking about yourself. Here's what I learned. Sales is not about talking somebody into doing something they don't want to do. And that's maybe what you remember. That, that's how you feel about sales. You go in the store and they're trying to get you to buy something you don't want. That's not sales. That's bullying. Sales is when you persuade someone that they about buying something that they already want or desire. You make it available for them and tell, it how it would, tell them how it would benefit them. That's it. If they say no, okay, you leave it alone. But my point is, I was fooled. I shouldn't say I was fooled. I just believed the lie that sales was bad. And so now I'm running a business, a therapy practice, and I'm struggling to get clients because I'm, uh, to not sound arrogant, I'll say I'm good at what I do. I'm good at what I do. But getting people to find me and getting them to come in, like the business side and the financial piece and, um, you know, when you get your money, do this with it. No, nobody told me that. I'm learning all of that stuff at 51 on my own. And so I want to encourage you, learn about money. I'm telling you, I'm not like they teach us we should be providers, but I even mortgage that for love. Like, here's the crazy thing that this is just about me. And I know somebody else on the planet did this, too. So if you get if you hear this, I hope this blesses you and encourages you to change. But. Not only did I mortgage my future for love, but I it's like I pushed everything to the side. If it if it didn't have anything to do like I mistakenly believed that if I'm a good person and I'm loving my woman the way she's supposed to be loved, everything else will be all right. That don't make sense. You got to work out to have a healthy body. You got to make money and do the right things with it to have money. My daddy, uh, once I became an adult, my daddy used to have these fantasies about God making him a millionaire. He believed that God had promised it to him. And he would be quoting scriptures to me all out of context and saying things about, you know, uh, God can do anything. He could drop a million dollars on the doorstep if he want to. And like he really believed, he paid his tithes faithfully because he kind of thought that, you know, if I give my tithe, God eventually going to give me millions. That's the way he thought. And I used to, you know, think, man, he's so off and so like misunderstanding God's word in a way he don't even understand. Guess what? I did the same thing. I It just didn't look like his. It didn't look like, you know, fantasy and, and it didn't look like me waiting for God to perform a miracle but in essence, that's how I live because I wasn't doing anything to prepare. So I must have subconsciously believed God going to take care of us some kind of way. That's, that's not what scripture promotes. The Bible don't say that. 
it promotes the act, act, the opposite of that. I think, I don't know if it was yesterday or today in Proverbs. Uh, what's today? The seventh. It may have been yesterday or the day before. Uh, look at the ant, you sluggard. And it goes on to talk about how the ant does what they do, does what they do, do what they do. And it's telling you not to be lazy. Work like the ant. And if you don't, poverty is going to pounce on you like a bandit. Right. So anyway. Personal development, specifically identity and sexual issues. Self-development, I mean, self-discipline. Financial education. And then the last one, the fourth one, um, if you're going to be a husband, you got to be submitted and committed to God. Now, to me, that's obvious because I don't know how anybody, and this is me, I don't know how anybody does life without God's direction. But I know people do it all the time, like all the time. I'm going to read a few things for you uh, from Proverbs, and then that'll be it. So, uh, under this submitted and committed to God, I'm going to just share a few things uh, just to give you an idea of the wisdom that the Bible has and how it can direct you in your life and in your marriage. Uh, Proverbs 1, verses 2 through 7, it says this. Um, I story verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. The purpose of these... The purpose of these um, these proverbs, that's what this, uh, what I'm about to read is telling you. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them to do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. That's, um, oh, and then let me read verse six, I mean, seven, two. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So I'm speaking to you being submitted and committed to God. Chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. Being committed and submitted to God, you, you get these promises. Um, let's go to my life verse, Proverbs 3. Verses five through seven. Verse five is, my, is my, my current life verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed by your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Brothers, I hope you're hearing me. Right? I really hope that you're hearing me. If I skip down to verse 13, through 18, it says this, joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding for wisdom is pro more profitable than silver and her wages are better than gold. 
Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All of her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. This is about submitting and committing to God. If I go down to verse 33, it says, The Lord curses the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the upright. And I just got one more for you. Um, This is Proverbs 19, verse 3. It says this, People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Don't don't be that. One thing about me, uh, I do believe at a certain level I have I have ruined, not ruined, but according to the scripture, like ruined my own life. But one thing I didn't do is get angry at God because I recognize it was my doing, you know, and I could say, you know, Lord, why didn't you prevent this? And why didn't you stop me from doing that? And why didn't you like shake me and make me go the right way? Because he gave me free will. But what he didn't do was leave me to myself because he did block things. He did circumvent things. I have not experienced all that I should have experienced while I'm walking in my foolishness outside of God's will. Right. So angry at God is not something that I'm. As a matter of fact, the more I understand God, the less I understand how anybody can be angry at God. Like you have to be very, very, very immature to be angry at God. Like um, when my grandson wants something really, really bad, he just turned nine yesterday, by the way, shout out to Chandler. When he wants something really, really bad and his desire is at a hundred, but I know it's not best for him and I say no, he mad at me. But if he understood better, I want this, but people know what's best for me and that ain't right for me. So I'll be disappointed, but I ain't mad at him. But he's mad at me because he's immature in the same way. When you're angry at God, it is an indication of your immaturity. Because uh, who is that? Uh, Paul Jones said, uh, he knows what's best for me. Although my weary eyes, they can't see. Right. Um He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so anyway, uh, that's really all I have for you today. Right. Because I wanted to just want to encourage you, man, like find you somebody that can speak into your life. Find you a mentor, a coach, go to your dad, something, because we're not designed to do life alone. And I'm really trying to prevent you from ending up at my age with as many regrets as I have. See, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep his word. I'm encouraging you. Be committed to personal development. Work on your identity issues and your sexual sins. Right? Stop giving way to your flesh. Stop looking at women in a lustful way. Whether you're married or not. Like, treat women the way God intended you to treat women. You're supposed to love and protect them. Work on your self-discipline. 
constantly. Be disciplined yourself. And then I want you to educate yourself financially and be committed and submitted to God. I hope this was helpful for you. And I really hope that this gives you direction to go in a way where you don't, you don't end up where I am. All right. Y'all take care.